This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 208, Doctor Strange. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I am Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Steve, Steve McDonald. Hey, everybody. And Evan. Evan David. I'm here. Hello. We're here. <clears throat> we're here, and Steve, we're, we're here to talk about your namesake. I know, my because my, I'm strange and... and not a doctor, but, but I'm you Steven. Are, you are a Steven. I am a Steven. It's true. It's true. So there I, you go. Yeah. You know, I thought one one day I thought possibly to, we could do an episode about just the characters that have the same name as us. And and I'd have a, a good portion of characters. Um, Steve, you'd have a, a handful. But, I'd give you a run for your money, yeah. But... um. It was Jace. <laughs> yeah, he basically had have, Jace, Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Yeah, and uh, Jason of Star Command. Yeah, but that's Jason, not Jace. He's not Jason. I know, but just, you got to give him something. Well, that's there the only way case. we could give him anything is if we gave him yeah. Jason. There Evan, is a I don't character, know what we do with you. There is a character named Jace on uh, Dragon Ball Z. Well, there you go. And uh, how about me? Evan? Yeah, I I'm a uh, new canon female Star Wars character from the Princess Leia comic book series. Ooh, rock Name and roll! Evan? You you trump us all, yeah. I guess. Isn't it? Isn't it Evan? I don't know. I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I've I've met a girl named Evan before. You know, it's kind of funny because we're watching ET tonight, uh, my kids and I. And my girls just can't get over the fact that there's a boy named Elliot in this movie. Because every <laughs> really? single – they know two Elliots, and they're both girls. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird. That's weird. I – and they're, they're like, Dad, why does he have a girl's name? Just, it wasn't a girl's name. <laughs> I, I don't know when it became a girl's name, but yeah. all of a sudden I know two people named Elliot, and they're the only two people you know named Elliot. And <laughs> – yeah, Elliot to me was always a boy growing up. Yeah, I always wanted to be Elliot. Mm-hmm. I man, Elliot. I still, I still welled up when I was watching that movie tonight. It still wow. just got me right there. It was weird though because 
now I'm I'm still identifying with Elliot because that's the character you're supposed to identify with. He's the main character, and mm-hmm. but I'm also identifying with his mother, you know, as a parent. And so, like when he disappears, I'm just like, oh my goodness, and I'm feeling her, you know, emotional because they stop and they they give her that arc right there. You know, all the movie is told from the point of view of a kid or the alien, except for that. There's one scene with her where I'm just like, oh, this is tragedy. (laughs) And it was it was worse. I mean, I never noticed it with her before. But this time around, I was just, oh, man, this is terrible for her. Husband left. Husband went went with Sally to Mexico. Elliot disappears after getting drunk at school. So, uh, besides other people's names, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we are talking about Doctor Strange, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Um, I went and saw it opening night, well, midnight show at 7 o'clock. Um, the midnight show at 7 o'clock? Yeah. It's kind of what you call it that's what i call it anyway uh steve you just saw it maybe an hour ago it's seven o'clock yeah, yeah. so we were watching at the same time so here we are now and we've seen the movie and we're going to talk about it and if i i think evan that um we can kind of keep some of the talk about like the like agents of shield and stuff like that those tie-in stuff that'll go over on welcome to level seven so we'll skip that here Okay. Um, but we can talk about tie-ins, you know, at the end with with the MCU as a whole, um, at at the end. But okay, yeah, I think we'll go with the quadrant and kind of go through all the different uh, areas there. So style, character, plot, and themes. Um, but if we start with style, um, that's that's the visuals, that's the pacing, that's all that stuff. And so what what you guys think of the special effects? What you guys think of the visual world? that they created in Dr. Strange. By the way, spoilers. We should probably play the spoiler organ yeah. right now. We're going to spoil it. And do it. Let's do it. Hit. Spoilers. 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 All right. So what do you guys think of the style? The special effects, the world building, the extra dimensional places that Doctor Strange goes to. I think they they um, really were able to bring you to a place that was other, that was so similar to our reality, but so different that you obviously knew it wasn't but they're right there they're in our reality they're just not affecting it and what is going on is not an accurate representation of it um very interesting how you know things are unfolding and folding in on each other and things like that i think as the movie went along it it did wear a little bit on me. I'm like, oh, more things unfolding in and on on the on each other, and and the one effect of of going into his mouth and seeing him and going into his mouth again and seeing him and going into his mouth again and seeing him and going into his mouth again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
that was a little freaky. (laughs) It was, but, but they were able to, to continue it through. I mean, with, without that as the, 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 the style that they were going for, I guess they would have to do more different stuff. And they did a little bit when they went to Dormammu's realm, Mm -hmm. um, having those weird floating things, cell structure kind of things. Yeah. Cell structure. Yeah. So that, that was, that was an interesting touch because it was that different thing. So when they went to Hong Kong and you could see that invading, you know, the whole thing, you're like, you immediately knew, Oh, this is Dormammu coming. So there was that. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of like the Book of Revelation, or even mm-hmm. Ezekiel with the wheels within the wheels, and just trying to describe this thing that is from outside of our experience, but right. using words—well, not English words, but Hebrew words and, and Greek words—to describe these things that they are seeing that are just beyond. Mm-hmm. beyond experience. And, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not convinced that there'll be literal gold uh, that the streets are paved with literal gold in heaven. I think that that is a metaphorical term being used just to describe something that John can't truly express. Right. It's, and, it's almost as though gold is so prevalent here that you can pave the streets with it. No, well, not even that. No, I, I think it's he sees this thing and it's so shiny and it's a material, you know, and it's what how can I describe this? Well, gold, that's the closest thing I can come to in my experience to describe what this stuff is that I I'm walking on, you know, because he he says it's uh, gold as transparent as glass. And obviously that's not a thing we have. <laughs> that's not a thing. Well, that's just it. And so you're making it up now, John. In in a in a movie and in a comic book, it, those are both visual mediums. So how yeah. do you portray something that is beyond the sense of sight? And it's 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 impossible. You can't because we are limited in our experience and in our sensations by what we can actually sense we can't even see ultraviolet right you know right and so i feel like they did a very good job of presenting something very trippy and very odd and and disorienting and and using the disorientation to especially we're talking about when he was like flying through the dimensions mm. and uh the, the stuff folding in on itself doesn't doesn't fall under what i'm talking about here but I, i'm just I, that's the feeling I get is that they're trying to create something that causes you to experience something that you feel like is more. And, and I could see people maybe trying to watch some of those scenes uh, same way that they would with 2001, uh, you know, high, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to open the doors of perception, which by the way, did you notice what <laughs> Stanley was reading on the bus? when yeah, Aldous Huxley's Aldous doors Huxley. of perception. Yeah. He's, laughing he's laughing at it though. <laughs> he's like, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I would ever describe anything I've read by Aldous Huxley. Now, I haven't read Doors of Perception, but I don't think I would describe anything I've read by him as hilarious. But, you know, uh, there's some funny parts to like, you know, Brave New World, but if funny in like, a, <laughs> I hope that never, ever happens. <laughs> hilarious is not the word I would use, though. I'm not I'm not laughing uproariously while reading Brave New World right. ever. Right. So. <laughs> ever. <laughs> So that's, I mean, as far as those style things go, um, I feel like they did a very good job of creating something that's almost new, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, quite, quite frankly, I think they've outdid themselves with uh, the visual effects on this one. Just the amount of visual effects that went into this is insane. Yeah. And, and how, you know, even the effect of folding in on itself, that's not the most spectacular effect, but the, the level of artistry and technical know-how mm-hmm. that goes into visualizing that is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. Yeah. I, I still, there were times I felt like I could see the seams of the, um, their limits with that where the though. set ends and the visual effect begins no no i mean where we're trying to portray this visual effect but it just felt so i was trying to explain this to you yesterday when we were talking too it just felt so um rigid and so like the hallway is being caused to spin but it's spinning in segments you know and and mm-hmm. instead of like being twisty turvy but again, you have to have some form of 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 law, I guess, to you know even to the special effects in, in the in the rendering engine that you're using to create the special effects. You have to have law to otherwise it just would wouldn't look like anything. So, right. but is it better than 2001's um, space journey at the end? Uh, it definitely was more exciting. And it went, I felt like it went places rather than just, oh, it's colors coming at me. Well, it's just, it's just light and right. colors. It, but I mean, that that's 50 years ago. Well, mm-hmm. no, but I mean, but 50 years ago, it was just, here's light and colors. Here's a light show that you're falling through. And it was still wonderfully produced. But this is not just, oh, light and colors that's, you know, beyond perception. Uh, there's more to it than that. And you're right. They did things that they could not have done uh, outside of the animation uh, 50 years ago. And they might not even thought to do inside of animation 50 years ago. One thing that I thought was sweet was when uh, the ancient one sends him into that trip or whatever, the part where he comes out the other side and is just this speck in a giant universe of unknown stuff. I just thought that was neat. That was one thing, too, where they didn't even I, I can't even think of a point where they hinted that this had anything to do with drugs. It wasn't psychedelic. It wasn't. Right. No, you know, no. I mean, he, he was working in a hospital. They could have at any time alluded to drugs. It could have been anything like that. And they just completely avoided that whole situation, saying, you know, to oh, maybe. He was uh, hit some drugs he was taking for his pain. They didn't even show him taking drugs for his pain. No, no, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing. So I, uh, that was I, I. I appreciated that. Well, you know, he did th- ask not... about the tea. Yes, he did. Did. You, did you put something in the tea? But of course, the answer <laughs> was bit. well, there's honey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's and, honey and, in and, it. But, but that was the only thing. It was completely saying this has nothing to do with drugs. And, yeah, it was a know, real when, experience. Yeah, and when people watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, one of the reasons why it was so popular is because people would go there on drugs and they would want to see all this trippy stuff and all this future stuff and everything. You, you couldn't see it. I mean, the science fiction movies were you know few and far between in the 60s. So you had this thing where it was, oh, it's far out, man, trippy and all that stuff. And you're, you're taking the drugs and you're getting the, the visual effect and, and tripping on that. And, it, you know... Yeah, but in 2001, there's there's no suggestion at all of drugs for the characters. No, but 
but it became something like that for for people outside the movie. I mean, it had nothing to do with drugs, but because the drug culture was building at that time, and the uh, the visuals were were you know quote unquote trippy, a lot of the reason well maybe not a lot of it, but one of the reasons why two thousand one is still a, such a massive movie is because back then people would still continue to go see it. So I'm saying, you know, without that culture attaching itself to that movie, it probably wouldn't have the the staying power that it that it has today. I don't know about the staying power today. It may not have had the staying power to repeat repeat weekends and stuff like that at different theaters. Right. But and I'm saying because I'm, I'm it, not sure I understand it, what you're saying because you're complimenting Doctor Strange for not for not mentioning drugs, but then. 2001 didn't mention drugs either. No, I'm not vilifying 2001. I'm just saying 2001 came out and it had more staying power because people outside the movie were taking drugs and wanting to see it. So they would keep it playing without that happening. It probably wouldn't have had the staying power because I know, but people, I'm, I'm asking people wouldn't have seen it. And I'm not done yet. And because that happened, um, we have Doctor Strange having the same visuals. They could have easily done something where they're winking and nodding to the, you know, the, the druggy culture of the seventies who kept this going, but they didn't do that. Oh, I, I don't so understand, saying, I guess, but that's okay. I'm saying th- thank you, Marvel for not doing anything to, <laughs> but they to did the joke you're talking about. Like they did the but, joke. Well, did you put something in my away. tea? Yes, I know. And she said, honey, and that was it. And that was saying there's nothing to do with drugs here. That was the only thing okay. to do with it. Okay. Well, so, I, I guess I'll just not understand it. That's okay. So let's talk about the mirror world stuff that's going on. Uh, what'd you think about that? Where it was kind of weird to set something up where you can't affect the world, but then you can, they ended up affecting the world. I mean, if, if there's a rule in one world, why isn't it the rule? You know, I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe, maybe it was saying, you know, because, uh, they, they broke this rule in the mirror world. It was saying bad things happened now because Dr. Strange is breaking rules in the actual world. Bad things are going to happen. Maybe they're doing something there, but setting something up with the rule is not well, like, I thought know, that they were doing, law. I thought they were doing that with the, with the mirror world they were trying to set up where they could have this battle and have all these things that they're, you know, they're affecting the, the rules of the, of the world and, and causing the, the city to fold in on itself. And, and they're, mm-hmm. they're jumping from thing to thing and the cars can't see them. And, you know, but the cars can still hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that was the setup there was just so they could have this magic battle basically, uh, from right and and not affect and and cause you know New York to you know stop because hey you know like the if it, if it was the Avengers having that same battle buildings would be falling right but because it's it's these guys in the mirror world nothing's happening no, they they don't affect that world at all until they come out of it and so I don't I don't I didn't see any breaking of rules in the mirror world well when they when the bad guys went there and then they were able to affect the actual world or but they didn't able to. I don't remember them affecting the actual world. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I thought they did. 
Maybe I was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Not, well, I, I don't think they did in the mirror world. I mean, they did in Hong Kong, but that wasn't in right. The what I'm world. saying is I, I thought they did. Oh, okay. So maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, so many different things were happening on so many different levels that maybe I just picked up the wrong thing there. I think just visually it does re- bear a repeat viewing <laughs> just to follow. Yeah. The, uh, especially, I mean, that battle that we're talking about where they're in New York City and the city is now being, they're taking it apart like a puzzle. It's like a giant Rubik's cube that slides apart mm-hmm. and they're running through it. And I thought myself like Dr. Strange is running and he's looking behind himself to see where they are behind him. And I think, no, you can't do that because all of a sudden a building is going to disappear or tilt on its axis and gravity is <laughs> going to change. And right. it just got crazy. It was, yeah, it, it was very fast paced, very visually just arresting mm-hmm. uh, until the, they created the tile circle. You know what I mean? When, like when the ancient one, when the ancient one comes, she brings order and she, yeah, she, she brings it all together and they have a battle on this like, um, circular thing that she has created that looks like it's made right. out of tile. And that just feels like, oh, now we're on the set of like, oh, what was that? It's one of those fighting games. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> Smash Bros or something. Soul Calibur. I don't know Soul which one. <laughs> There's any of them. Let's just let's just say it's a fighting game now all of a sudden. It's just <laughs> this circle with a, a barrier, you know, and so you stay on that circle as you're fighting your opponent. And you can't go further than that because the programmers can't program further than that. Because they're programming fighting, you know, and so you just have this very limited space where you can fight. But, uh, I don't know. Let's see. Style-wise, anything else to consider? Um, I mean, we're talking about the big stuff. How about the music? I, I, I It was very interesting how Doctor Strange looked amazingly like a lot of the Doctor Strange, you know, comic books you see. And there were some things that they really paid so much attention to detail, like the uh, the the seal for the New York mm-hmm. um, sanctum sanctorum. And then stylistically, they just went completely the other way with like you know casting uh, things like Baron Mordo and things like that. Um, so it's like the one character that they that they nailed was Doctor Strange. And it's like they just said, okay, all the other characters, let's just start from scratch. <laughs> but not that not that they did a bad job with them. In fact, we'll probably get into some of the other stuff uh, in different uh, different sections here. But that's basically and, and the uh, the actual uh, I don't know what it's called, but I guess the outside of the you know the facade of the Sanctum Sanctorum looks amazingly like what it looks like in the, yeah, it does, in, it does. Yeah, even um, inside felt like. Uh, at least images I've seen, not not necessarily that the layout is exactly the same, but just the, the way the different rooms and the you know the the, the showcasing of the different um, items and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I feel like I, it was staying true to the comics there more so than like the Fortress of Solitude in the first Superman movie. Oh man, don't even get me started on that. That drives Uh-oh. me crazy. What? Uh-oh. The Fortress of Solitude? It drives you crazy? Oh, I hate it. The Crystal Fortress of Solitude? Yes. Why do you hate I it? Ne- 
I never liked that. Because there's nothing like goes ever in the comic books ever, and they just made it up, and it was like, why would Superman ever want to go there? Like, there's no chairs. There's nothing to sit on. There's no computers. Oh, well, he's Superman. The, he doesn't get tired. There's the hologram thing. <laughs> yeah. He's Superman. He, goes, he, he can just float around. He doesn't have to sit in a chair. Whatever. There's it's a like, bed. <laughs> it's Yes, there is the super bed, which looks like the most comfortable bed in the world, just let me say. Um, well, the, I think the one of the things is if you look at Fortress of Solitude in the comic books, it looks like, you know, a secret base with cool rooms and things like that. And the like Titanic – and the Titanic and all that, all that stuff. And you're used to that. What I appreciated about the Fortress of Solitude in the movies is it was alien. And if it's something that's coming from. It felt like Krypton. Krypton yeah. Yeah. It, it should have that alien sense to it. And, and as much as it was completely different than what the Fortress of Solitude, quote unquote, should look like. And the one that we're used to in the comic books. It made sense in the movie because of where it came from in the movies. You know, in the and, movies, it wasn't Superman going and building it himself. Excuse me. It was, uh, you know, that whatever threw, that threw crystal. the crystal into the into the ice. Right. And, yeah. But here's the thing, Evan. I mean, I saw Superman when I was three. So, I mean, that was the fort- I mean, that was the Fortress of Solitude. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. And so when I read a comic, I'm like, wait a minute. The Fortress of Solitude is just an icy bat cave for Superman? Yes. With the Titanic. It was was very jarring for me to go from the stark crystal Fortress of Solitude to there's he's all he's missing is a giant coin. Yeah. And the dinosaur. And a typewriter. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like. Yeah. I just didn't like it because it just. The only reason it's there is to just be a memory bank for his Krypton stuff. And it's just not a like, otherwise, why would he even want to go there? Just to sit and stare at crystals. I think Superman's more interesting than that. <laughs> and talk to his dead father. Yeah. Why yeah. would he want to go there? Yeah. It's not his real father. It's his oh, fortress of solitude. Here's the thing it's a fortress of solitude, right? That's where he goes when he needs to be alone. He doesn't need all this stuff. He he doesn't need all that stuff. I mean, we are from a culture here where we have to have noise and things in our ears and screens in our faces. He doesn't need any of that. He just goes and floats around, maybe stands, maybe sits. If he wants to. So boring. He needs the alien zoo. He needs the secret lab where he makes the cure for cancers like (laughs) four times. Come on. I can well, I can see it both ways. He needs so. the secret spa room to take Lois to. Secret spa. He has a place to take Lois to in the Fortress of Solitude <laughs> yeah, in the movies. Yeah. So. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. anyway, uh not the Fortress of Solitude. I mean it felt like it was from the comics. And even the Dark Dimension felt like something you've seen in the comics before with the platforms and the you know, it's connected by weird I don't know what it gets connected by in, in comics when they go there. Um, but it feels, it feels like something at least of the type that you would see in the comics. And uh, I don't know what you've been, but, or Steve, were you hoping for more, uh, I was, you know, I liked the visuals of the alternate dimensions, but I was hoping for a little bit more concrete imagery of like other worlds. I think, you know what I'm I, I, I think I saw enough of them. And you know what, when I see that type of stuff, 
it just makes me think how poorly the Fantastic Four movies were done because <laughs> you need to have them as adventurers. You don't yeah. need to have them as they're, they're like superheroes. Yeah. Okay. We're superheroes because we have superpowers and sometimes we fight bad guys, you know, who other have superpowers, but you know what? Mostly we're adventurers and let's go to other dimensions and other worlds and other spaces and find stuff. You know, that's what when when John Byrne was writing it in the 80s, he just brought it back to that. And yeah, they fought this person and Dr. Doom and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he's also saving Galactus's life and being put on trial for saving Galactus's life and going to these different places and other planets and all this different alien, like really alien stuff, not just aliens with the you know antennas and stuff, but going to a place where you have to immerse yourself in these cultures. And um, it just... I haven't seen a lot of Fantastic Four do that. Maybe some has since then. But just having that going on with them, I think that's what the movies for the Fantastic Four need to be. So we got sort of a taste of other dimensions when he was going through the the weird stuff that he was going through. And also Dormammu's dimension. Yeah. So you got a taste of it. I don't think I needed that for Doctor Strange especially when they're doing so much with his uh, origin story. Um, well, I was, I was just talking about like, it's all very abstract, you know, mm-hmm. yep. I thought, I thought there's a missed opportunity to do a lot more Marvel Easter eggs. Yeah. yeah they they could have. Yeah. The, the thing with that though, for me is if you're going to these abstract things, because these are beyond perception, these are weird new places. This is not just right. another galaxy. And so, and I liked it in some I, ways. What what you're saying, that if they had tried to do it, they almost would have had to stop to explain things more because if they were going to do it right, as if to say, you know, here is something that is – here's a, a sentient race of creatures that is beyond our world. Here's this, you know, uh, here's the living tribunal or whatever. Here's They re- right. they referenced him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they – with with Dormammu, I mean even that was a little too uh, anthropomorphized. You know, I mean, this is this cosmic being that just happens to be a human face. And I I got the sense that it it presented itself as a human face. It could be. I mean, we we talked about it yesterday, though, that it's very nicely, um, very, very nicely represented the the comic book version of Dormammu with the uh, you call it the corduroy face. Yeah, the corduroy face. (laughs) But he has those vertical lines on his face and kind of this flamey stuff going on around around the head there as well and it was a nice uh mcuing of of dormammu into this other dimensional being but even then they could have gone further but if they had gone further you know what it would look like galactus as a giant cloud yeah yeah <laughs> nobody wants that nobody, nobody wants, that. wants that nobody <laughs> wants that um yeah so i did want to talk about music just briefly it was michael giacino and it's of a, I mean, it's basically part of his library now that will sound very man. good next to the other stuff that he's done. Uh, there were some moments where I did feel like I was hearing uh, his, some of his Star Trek soundtrack, but I, I really liked the, uh, especially the end credits when you were hearing, you know, uh, uh, mashups of, of instruments. You had the, you know, the, the classical, but you hear this guitar uh-huh. almost like, uh, you know, Brian May type of a, a, a just 
transcendental type of guitar work. And then you have, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the almost like a mellotron or something in the background yeah. and it's woven into the classical music. I love stuff like that. You know, the different music styles blending together. Um, so just hearing that all in one beautiful orchestral piece was fantastic. I was very curious what it was going to sound like when I heard it was him, uh, because he does a good job for me of referencing, uh, and, and building on. So like with his Star Trek soundtrack, he's referencing some of the old Star Trek themes, but then building on that. And with yep. Jurassic world, he references the John Williams themes, but he builds on it. Super eight felt like a John Williams score. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, so they bring him in here, and they're they're having him do Star Wars, uh, Rogue One. Oh, nice! And so I'm very curious uh-huh. what he's going to do with that as well. But, I wonder if he's done the music for the trailers because that's been on point. Yeah, yeah. So I that's just I mean that's part of the style section, and I did want to mention that I haven't bought the soundtrack yet. Um, but that's partially because I'm trying to decide if I want to do Amazon Unlimited it's a it's eight dollars a month and you can listen to anything oh nice anything. Uh, not just even my stuff yeah, well if it's up there on amazon because <laughs> um, with prime there are certain things that are you can listen to that have been designated as prime albums and you can listen to them for free and but every once in a while they'll pull back on them as well and so i had some johnny cash that i, I was getting ready to listen to and oh Excellent. it's not part of prime anymore but uh, this this Amazon Unlimited, you can listen to almost, I, I think anything that they have available digitally. But it, you know, it's it's eight dollars a month. So, but Doctor Strange is one of them, and so is Luke which Cage. Johnny, actually, which, which huh. Johnny Cash were you listening to? Uh, I don't even remember which one it was because I didn't get to listen to it. Oh, well. <laughs> it was I put it in my in my queue, and then it was, or I guess it's not a queue on Amazon Music, but. Um, yeah. And then it was gone. Yeah. Johnny Cash been very, very good to me. Yeah. My favorite of his right now is my mother's hym- hymnal. I oh yeah. I had a chance to listen beautiful. to that, but that is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Love it. So, and he did a, um, another thing like that back in the seventies. I forget. I think it's called personal file and, uh, it's, it's non religious stuff. And then like a second side of like all religious stuff too so fantastic we should do a show on johnny cash i don't know how sci-fi that is we'd have to i don't i don't care work it out (laughs) (laughs) we should just do one and shoehorn it in but anyway back to the movie i think we've done a pretty good job of making excuses to include whatever we want to include we just have to figure it out i mean i I don't want to just do it without working at it i mean we got to work at it make it work yeah i just want to do it all right. Well, hey, you want to scoop onto the uh, plot and talk about that? Let's do plot. Sure. What'd you think of the story, guys? <laughs> it's origin story, which we've seen done before. It's the world is at stake, which we've seen done before. Um, I don't know. Did you feel like we were going anywhere new with this or not? Well, one thing that I appreciated, um, and I'm... I'm not an origin story type of person. I wish origins would get out of the way in about 15 minutes. And, you know, very few of them do. Unless they're really great and really integral to the story. Like The Incredibles has their – no origin story. You know, it's like 
people have superpowers and it has a backstory. But it's like, how do these people get their powers? Are they mutants? Who knows? Doesn't Does, matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't matter. It, it's not. It's not part of the story. So we just we move on from there. Um, the problem with Marvel superheroes and and many DC superheroes is they have an origin story, and you want to see. Well, I guess they think you want to see the origin story because there's always a new twist on it. You know, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne falls down a well or he, you know, is he goes into a cave or he yeah. does something and discovers, you know, the thing that's going to be the bat cave and bats fly into his face or around him or whatever. You know, so it's it's always this visual that you want to 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 take and to do um, when you're doing the heroes that it's sort of like. I wish they would just not take the whole first hour to do it. Um with with Doctor Strange, not a lot of people know his his history unless you know who the character is. Um, my wife was going there knowing nothing about the character, so I'm just, I'm sure a lot of people are like that. They're just going to see it because it's a a, a movie, a Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, this one, they, I, I don't think they could get away with not showing the origin. Spider Man, they can. Right. Spider Man Homecoming, they can get away without showing the origin because we've seen it. Yeah. Many, many times. Batman, yeah. you could get away without showing the origin, but they do it anyway. Right. And when they when they really tie it in really well, then I don't mind. I just mind sitting through it. And then when I rewatch it, I mind sitting through it again because I know it. I know it ties in. And it's sort of like a wasted half an hour, 45 minutes or whatever. And you could you could have done a lot quicker. But anyway, um, you know, that part of the movie I wasn't a fan of. It was just it, it worked. It, it's great for people who don't know the history. They have to make the character likable to the point of, you know, you're you're locked into him because he's the main character, even though he's not terribly likable guy. But, you know, he's going to change. You know, he's going to get better. At least at least hope he is. Um, so you have to build that into it. And, you know, you got it. OK, there you go. Um when it really gets to the point of the movie moving, it was, uh, it was interesting because he has to learn on the fly sometimes literally. And he's, he's, you know, being pushed in different places and he's being pulled in different places. And, you know, he gets to these points where, you know, he's using his medical expertise in some things. And it's, it's interesting because they really use the character very well. Uh, one thing, and we're probably going to touch on this in a different part of the movie also, but he, um, he is not discerning when it comes to what he's using in the, the magical world. And then, you know, we later on find out that, that the ancient one is, is also, you know, using powers from sources that she shouldn't use them. And this is when we did our magic episode, this is what I was talking about. When you use magic, literary magic, and you're using it in a way that it's it's invocation. You're invoking these powers. You know, you're you're saying, "Hey, magical thing, come and do my bidding." That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's the demonic type of magic. And when you have, uh, I think. Mordo said, I'm trying to read my notes here because I wrote them in the dark. Um, uh, you, you don't something with, <laughs> with natural law. You don't basically, you don't mess around with natural law. 
you know, and, and saying the natural law is that, that incantation, singing along with nature, doing things that are really technically natural things, but literarily they represent the supernatural. And that's the, you know, the, the, where we see miracles happening instead of this, you know, black magic and the white magic is, is the good, the literarily it's the good magic. It's the one that represents God and represents miracles. So you have him using both and then Mordo at the end turning it around. And I really, really appreciated that. Cause I had, I, I had no idea that they were going to go that way. In fact, I wasn't that jazzed to watch this movie because Dr. Strange has never been a favorite of mine. I have very few Dr. Strange comic books. Um, I just, I don't like the way it just mixes the magic and it messes up the metaphor. It, it sort of just, you know, waters everything down and makes magic just a thing that, you know, oh, anyone can can access magic or use a magic yeah. wand or whatever. It's or a power. It, it's a power that you can divert the same way you can yeah. use electricity. Right. You right. know, it's just you, you, the conduit is a person instead of a, right. a outlet. Yeah. And when when Thor in one of the Thor movies or maybe it was one of the Avengers movies, he says basically that magic is just technology that humans haven't discovered yet. And I was like, eh that robs the metaphor. So having Mordo come in and say, you know, Hey, you can't mess with, with natural law. You can't do that dark stuff. You can't call in these forces to do your bidding because you're, you're doing it the wrong way. When you do that, he didn't say it obviously because that's not what you do in stories like this, but he was doing it. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, I want to see the Mordo movie. You know, I want to see Mordo going around murdering do, the people who are doing mu- magic. Well, not murdering because well, he didn't murder doing. the guy. Well, at the end, he didn't know. He took back magic that did not belong where it was. But what's he and using can, to do that? He's magic. well, he's using magic, but he's using the good magic, maybe. So not to do evil, not to do evil, to reclaim that, which is not that not supposed to be that person. He he is setting himself up in, in a, um, in a way that, that he's going to get in trouble, obviously. And it's not like he should say to himself, you know, I need to be the jury and the, the judge, jury and executioner here. He's doing it the wrong way. I'll give you that. But he's doing it because he sees the problem and he sees through it. And at the end of the movie, I'm like, you know what? Mordo in the comic books is the bad guy. You know, he's the one making deals with Dormammu. He's the one doing the black magic here. You have Dr. Strange making the bargain with Dormammu. And I have a little problem with that at the end, but he's making the, the uh, more than the problem with it because he's making a deal with something they shouldn't make a deal with, but also there's something else. And I'll get to that in in a minute, but he's, he's Dr. Strange is doing it the wrong way. And I'm like, this is what I see when I read the comic book. If I ever read the comic book or see that, you know, see him on the, the TV show. Cause he's calling in the spirit of this or calling, you know, by the power of this thing, I'm going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can't do that without repercussions here. We get that it, there's going to be repercussions unless Mordo is, is completely, you know, off, off his. Well, I think, I think the movie speaks against what you're saying though, because Mordo is definitely being presented as 
you know, he is doing something awful to this guy. This guy is using natural magic. He's, he's just pulling it in to let himself walk and not be, you know, well, not be uh, paraplegic or quadriplegic almost. And, and he just goes and takes that away from him and causes him a great deal of new pain. And like there, there's no way the movie is saying that, that Mordo is doing anything that is good there. And the movie is also saying, you know, he's too rigid. He is too yeah. rigid in his, in his uh, perspective, in his perception. And he needs you for that, but you need him for his strength, you know, and, and you need, he needs to be able to be flexible with you and you need him to be rigid and, and hold you, you know, accountable. And so there's the and possibility the for him, but at the same time, he is not, uh, I mean, and, and he can't accept because in the end, the movie gives the victory, the win, the moral win goes to Dr. Strange. He does it the way he does it. And that is meant to be right in the, the world of the movie. And, and Mordo just can't accept that because it, it's just goes against everything that he's seen. And he feels so betrayed by the ancient one because she was using the dark energies. Right. But if Mordo is correct and you can't mess with natural law without repercussions happening, then regardless of whether Mordo is right or wrong and what he does after that, Dr. Strange is doing it the wrong way. But Dr. Strange, they did set that up. he paid the consequences, though. He paid the bill. When he, he at, well, no, he sure yet. did. At the end, he died a thousand times, painfully and horribly. But Mordo said there's going to be stuff after that, too. Yeah. Well, maybe there will be, but after that you know, happened, he's, Mordo he's, says... He says the, the the bill will be become due, and, and maybe so there'll be more stuff that happens, but the bill came due. Doctor Strange willingly accepted the the bill. I mean he he paid the price over and over and over and over again. And this is not uh Tony Stark flying up through a hole and maybe he's gonna die. You know, this was him going in knowing he was going to die over and over and over and over again. And he did. Over and over and over again. I don't think that's the price he needs to pay. I think there's something deeper. I don't know. I think the, the it goes pretty deep. I mean, what Doctor Strange? I mean, the that segment of the movie, I feel like, is a very deep moment of the movie. There's there's a lot of depth to what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll find out if there ever is a Doctor Strange two. I guess so. Or we'll find out in Infinity War. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe Mordo is going to be one of the people on, on the Thanos side. We'll see. We will see. But he's definitely being set up as someone who is in the wrong, according to which is, the movie. Which is so bizarre, because I I find him to be the one that it's like the moral, the moral thread coming through, even though maybe some of the things he's doing to try to rectify the situation are immoral. Um, it's that morality that's driving him to that. So very, well, he's, he's character. definitely a, a villain character uh, has uh, in the post credit scene. He is definitely a villain character who believes he is doing right. Who believes he is a hero. 
He, right. he's, he's one of those for sure. But um, I mean, Loki believes he's a hero. You know, he's I'm freeing you. What are you freeing us from? <laughs> yeah. And freedom. that's, but that's, <laughs> but that's what makes a, a compelling villain is to have one who is almost right. Because, right. you know, yeah. he's doing something you could see and you could agree with. You could agree with maybe. Um, but he's taking it, you know, a step further and, and, and saying, okay, so I must do this. You know, he's doing, it's one of those wrong thing, right reason, which is from another right. movie. I just watched tonight, the, the Zootopia <laughs> where, where the, the lion mirror is like, well, this is one of those wrong things for the right reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Plot? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. origin story. Apparently theme. Yeah, well, I mean, we can go there, too, if you want to now. Um, we can also go to character as far as, like, how that ties into the theme as well, because I feel like Doctor Strange is a far more compelling character than a lot of our MCU heroes. Uh, and you, if you want to compare him to probably the closest comparison, that's Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And Tony Stark, saw... he learns his lesson every once in a while and then becomes himself again and i feel like with dr strange we have an actual character arc where he has changed right by you know he is a different person at the end of the movie than he was at the beginning and it's not just because he has superpowers well i think superpower has something to do with it oh it helps it definitely helped but it's not yeah but but that's not the only thing that's different if you look at yes i know but if you look at the characters who fluctuate a lot of times they're the characters that don't have powers all the time. Like Batman, you know, every once in a while he just wants to be a regular guy and something pulls him back in. Uh, Tony Stark, you know, he gets rid of all his suits and then he has to make more because, you know, he needs to do that thing. So they have that impulse to do good, but they don't have the powers to always impel them all the time. You know, even even with Superman, he needs to give up his powers, you know, if he wants to if he wants to make that change. He can't just, oh, I'll be Clark Kent for a while because he always has those. He's always tempted to use because he has the powers. So I think we see Tony Stark going back because he never really has powers. He has his suits with Doctor Strange. Now he knows he has the powers. It's sort of like, you know, in, in a Christian sense. You know, when you see someone who's sort of flopping back and forth, you know, I'm a Christian. Uh, I haven't gone to church in four years. I don't know about this Christian thing. All right, I'm a Christian again. Ah, uh, you know what? I don't want to. You know, it's because they really aren't a Christian. They haven't really repented. They haven't really put their faith in Jesus. When we do that, it's like we have the power. And because, you know, the Bible talks about us being able to know God and know that he's really there and to know it, we never go back. There's no, you know, backsliding for real true Christians because we know it. We're, we're already there. It's, it would be like saying someone saying, you know, Hey, why don't you just never use your left arm again? You'd be like, how could I not use my left arm? I mean, it's, it's obvious that I'm going to accidentally use it at some point, you know? So I think with characters like that, you it, it's interesting because you can have that different viewpoint on someone who is heroic of someone who has the impulse to do good, but doesn't have the power, you know, Steve Rogers at the beginning of, of the first movie, 
He wants to do good, but he doesn't have the power. But then you have people who are given the power and then it's hard for them to give it up. You can't because you still have the power and you know that you should be doing good with it. And, you know, it, and that whole, that whole system, it's interesting that they can, they can pull that out of those characters and they actually work with the, the heroic stories they're trying to tell. Now, see, the thing is like with Iron Man, you know, he kind of learns humility a little bit, but then he always goes back to being the character right. that's not humble. That is the arrogant right. character. And with, with strange here, he is arrogant. He is an arrogant jerk. And <laughs> He at the end is a submissive servant. He there's a humility, uh, and he is now serving rather than uh, it goes down. I mean, they speak the theme or one of the themes when the ancient one tells Strange, "It's not about you." It you know that, and it's not. Life is not about you. Life is about. It, you know, if we're talking in the Christian sense, we're talking about how life is about serving God, following God, and right. serving our fellow man because we follow God. And mm -hmm. and loving our fellow man because we can't help but love them because they carry the weight of glory, so to speak. And and that's where the character development for me of Stephen Strange felt, I don't know, it just felt nicer, better. Um he became a different person at the end and maybe there'll be some of that arrogance still there, but it's more personality quirk than at least that's what I'm seeing at the end of the movie anyway. Uh, because the whole thing is about him being afraid to die. You know, he, he doesn't mm -hmm. want to die. He, mm -hmm. he wants the use of his hands so he can, you know, he's afraid of failure and that's what's pushed him forward. But, um, how does he end the movie? How does he Dying. win? He dies again and again and again and again. You know, I mean, it's and and why is he willing to do that? Because he he didn't want he he didn't when he when he had to kill someone he crossed a line he never ever wanted to cross, but he never ever did have a situation where he had to cross that line. His Hippocratic Oath was to save lives, but he's saving lives. And what's pushing him is, again, fear of failure. At least that's what he, what they say. Um, so now it's, okay, I'm not just saving lives. I have to put my own life on the line. Mm -hmm. And I can do, oh, I know what we need to do here. And so it's not just, oh, I'm saving people, but I have to put myself on the line in order to do so. And and so he does. He goes and faces that that last fear of his, you know, of just that that final death or whatever. And right. of course, experiences it over and over. So I'm curious. I mean, might as well go there. I mean, we kind of broken up the outline anyway. Um, I'm curious what it is about <laughs> the ending that bothers you, Steve. Well, help me out with this because it it could be one of those things where I thought I heard something or I perceived something, and maybe it wasn't the whole thing. Um, Dormammu gets his power from the fear of death, people fearing death. Did I hear They that say correctly? that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if I'm Doctor Strange and that's the case, then I put myself in this infinite loop where everyone on Earth is still frozen. So time is going by 
for Dormammu, for Doctor Strange, he keeps dying. The people on Earth are frozen in times. I mean, frozen. So there's no fear of death happening. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching it, oh, he's going to destroy Dormammu because Dormammu is using up all the power that he has to a point where he's going to have no more because there's no fear of death coming to him. And Doctor Strange doesn't fear death because he's in his time loop. But then he continues to say, I want to make a bargain, I want to make a bargain. And then he makes the bargain and then goes back and restores the time and everything. And I'm like, why did he have to make a bargain if he could have destroyed Dormammu or at least depowered him? Mm. Yeah, I... I don't know, because what I the way I was seeing it was Dormammu was in this dimension beyond time. And by absorbing our world, we would all be taken into this beyond time dimension and be immortal. And that fear of death thing. I can't remember who spoke that. I, I, I did ancient one. I think it was Mordo. Was it? I mean, I, I yeah. I, I mean, they're they're basically trying to tell the bad guy, this is why you're kind of barking up the wrong tree here. <laughs> you're following Dormammu and trying to bring him here, and that's really not a good thing. And this is why, is is the opposite of what you're talking about. But I I just I thought that the time loop thing was brilliant. I I thought it was a really neat. I didn't know where they were gonna go. Um, that was cool. I, I, I did like the uh, uh, the movement of time using the time stone, mm-hmm. you know, where he's like, <laughs> it's almost like he's using a reel to reel and he's spinning <laughs> it back with his own hand, yeah. you know? Yeah. That and, was neat. Uh, the uh, apple. Yeah. And, and the apple going back and, and forth. And, and honestly, I mean, anytime you have an apple on screen that someone's eating, there's there to me my mind instantly goes to the forbidden fruit, you know, <laughs> and, and think about it. I mean, this is a forbidden knowledge for him. He's not supposed to be doing mm-hmm. this, you know, and, and he's taking bites out of the apple and causing it to decay and, yeah. and, you know, bringing it back. And, um, yeah. So yeah, they, even though the forbidden fruit probably wasn't an apple, it's interesting that, no, but that's the iconography. Use it. Yeah, yeah. You can use it. And it's iconic that way. So nicely done there. No, and, and whenever I try and whenever I've done any kind of graphic uh, illustration, well, I guess I don't do the illustration, but whenever I've done any kind of graphic uh, novel or something like that that has a reference to Adam and Eve's story and you're showing it, I always want to f- find the weirdest fruit you can find. You know, don't yeah, don't make it an apple, right? And <laughs> and that's something I always bring up with the kids at church. You know, it wasn't an apple; it was a fruit. Right. Uh, apples aren't fruit. You know, if what? You're gonna... <coughs> Apples no, aren't they're... fruit. Yeah, they're they're blossoms. Yeah, they're they're not fruit. Okay. Oh, look it up. It. Google it. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that apples are not fruit. I mean, I know they're blossoms, but I'm pretty sure they're still fruit. Well, we could do it right now. Oh gosh, I'm doing it. Anyway, is... apple is apple, a deciduous tree. Uh... Fruit. The Rose family, known for its sweet, pomacious fruit, the apple. Is apple a fruit? <clears throat> yes. Why is apple is. called a false fruit? 
True fruit is the one that is formed when part of the flower ripens. And apple, the major part of the fruit, is formed from thalamus, not from ovary. So it is a false fruit. It's not a fruit. It's a false fruit. It's a false right? fruit. False fruit. Yeah, false, false what? False. It's not a true fruit. fruit. It's not a true fruit. <laughs> but it's called the fruit. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, it acts as a fruit. Bottom line, um, not the one that Adam and Eve ate, though. No, <laughs> that's no, probably not. Because if it was, then we're all eating them. And... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I, Maybe we're born with the original troubling, sin. troubling, no! isn't it? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so he the, the time stuff with the, the, was great, but again, just I've, I've I don't like calling characters in fiction Messiah characters. You know, I mean, that's that's the label that's given to any character, really almost any character that, that sacrifices themselves for other people or for a greater good. I don't like calling them the Messiah character because they're even if they are intended to be a Messiah or intended to be a sacrifice that reflects, you know, the, the author intends to reflect Christ's sacrifice when they do it. Um, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same thing. And and that's not what we have going on here with, with Dr. Strange. What we have going on here with Dr. Strange is someone who is, who is absolutely though reflecting it. And it feels more to me like the, that's the kind of sacrifice that we need to be willing to, to make for other people. You know, right. as we are reflections of Christ and with with Dr. Strange at the end of this movie, I feel like we we are getting a nice reflection of of sacrifice of someone. It's almost an Aslan uh, kind of thing where you have him coming to the White Witch and like we're, we're going to do this thing because of the deeper magics yep. and all that kind of thing. And Speaking of the White Witch, wasn't she great in this movie? That's true. She was. That was the White Witch. <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like we're kind of getting that moment here of, you know, Dormammu, he's not the devil. Um, he's not Satan. I read a Christian review that was like, he's making a deal with Satan, the Marvel Satan. No, Dormammu is not the Marvel Satan. He's just another big bad guy with lots of powers. There's a couple other characters in the Marvel Universe, one of them being Satan. And the other one being Mephisto. I mean, that that could take that role. Um, Dormammu is not intended to be that role. But you have here someone who he's making. He wants to make a bargain. And the bargain is just leave my people alone or I'm going to do this to you again. Um, it's <laughs> almost like the, the Reed Richards bargain with Galactus in uh, Fantastic 450. Where <laughs> he has the, was it the, the null? Ultimate nullifier. Ultimate, ultimate nullifier. He's like, yes. you better stay away because we have this thing. And so Galactus stays away for a little while. No, they, they gave it back to him, though. They stole it from him. And then they're like, hey, we could use this or we could give it back to you and you could just leave. <laughs> so, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, he, he, I mean, Dormammu can come back, but he won't, you know, and because we've got other fish to fry here in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I just the fact that he was willing to come and, and have this happen. He's willing to pay the price over and over and over again until he's able to get the bargain that he wants, which is basically push Dormammu so far. Dormammu is just, I, I got to get out of this. <laughs> get me out of this time loop. Get me off this thing. Jane, get me off this crazy thing. 
and <laughs> it it happens, you know, and what a great ending, what a different ending. It's world destroying. I mean, it's going to destroy the earth, the galaxy or the universe or whatever. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I get tired of the big, the bigness of all the stakes, but while the stakes are huge, the solution is so personal and it's, it's just one man willing to lay down his life. Yeah. So I like that. Um, <laughs> there, there was, I mean, there's, there's definitely the issue of, you know, how does this magic work in this universe? Um, it just, right. I, I still don't understand. I mean, they explain it as, well, we're actually just diverting dimensional energies and, and pulling energies from other dimensions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you great. Do that. <laughs> so, all right. So we just With got a bunch hands. of, in it, a bunch of double speak. That doesn't explain anything to us, but it's right. like, it's like Trekno babble, you know, where yeah. Yeah, yeah. just start, just start naming things. And it sounds yeah. like it makes sense. How do you go through time? Well, you access a wormhole. You, you do what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I mean, it, at some point, how does this power happen? It happens in a different way than we have in our world. And for some reason, because of belief or whatever that is going to be the thing that helps you access that power. So when she brings him to Everest, he hasn't been able to access that power because he doesn't believe it can help him, you know, or he doesn't really believe it, but now he's forced to be in this situation where he either needs to believe it or die. And he knows at some level that it does work because it works for other people. So he says, since it works for other people, I need to believe it. And because he finally believes it, he's able to access it and save himself. So this is this movie is an interesting animal because the director and he's one of three writers uh, listed is a a professing Christian and outspoken (laughs) Christian. Um, he went to the Christian film school that I went to. Uh, he was there three, four years before I was, Mm. um, I got to hear him talk when he brought his, he brought his film thesis to our class, uh, cause he left our, that school graduated from that school and then went to USC and, uh, and then went on to direct only horror movies. And, right. and so in some ways, I think he gets a shorter shrift from Christians because he does horror movies and people either say he isn't a believer or they just stay away from what he's doing. And mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with the director of the school um, it was three or four years after I had left uh, and graduated from the program. And I was back in Los Angeles for a different program and she was giving me a ride to the house I was going to stay at. And she's like, "Hey, did you ever, did you ever meet Scott Derrickson?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know, just that one time when you brought him into class." And she's, "Yeah, he's doing, he's been, he's pretty much our biggest success, uh, but he's doing these movies I just don't like, you know." Because <laughs> he did an Urban Legends movie, he did a Hellraiser movie, yeah, he did The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I've seen parts of, Ugh. but not the whole thing. He did um, Sinister, I believe it was Sinister, mm-hmm. which I watching that movie i hated it the first time i watched it 
And I just, as I'm thinking over it, I, I wonder if I missed something um, because it seems to be about, it's basically about someone who throws himself so much into his job that his family gets forgotten. And so then everyone gets killed. Um, mm. because, but then I start thinking, well, it's a really downer of an ending, but maybe it needed to be like, this is a guy who does not get redeemed at the end. Um, and then he also did, um, deliver us from evil, which is the Ethan Hawke cop movie where it's, uh, it has to do with possession and exorcism as well. Mm. Um, so all those movies are why he got Dr. Strange. It's, Interesting. You know, the, that vibe that he was doing these kind of well, really scary things. And so this is the closest to a horror movie that we're going to get from the MCU. I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They could, they could, but really he's listed as, something. he's listed as one of three writers and he directed the thing. And, and so I'm more, I, I'm looking for the things like what, what is he saying with this movie? And so it's a strange animal because of some of the, the lines that it's trying to cross but then it's also it, – it's that whole thing of using dark energy to fight the devil, you know? And yeah. like we talked about with Ghost Rider who makes a deal with the devil but then breaks the deal with the devil but keeps his power to fight the devil. Yeah. You know, right. and it, there's just these, these things that just, ah, I don't know if that makes sense. Or, yeah. and, and Steve, you remember Hero TV, the comic that we did. Right. Uh, what, yeah. 10 – 13 years ago. The whole yeah. idea is magic man or magical man is a right. superhero and he calls on the power of the dread, whatever the demon was. <laughs> and he calls on the power of the dread, whatever the demon was to fight this demon. And the demon's like, well, that's me. Um, can't, <laughs> can't do that, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. That was a great comment. I, okay. Yeah. You see, I, uh, I enjoy all you guys' conversation and the points you've all made, and they're really good points, but I'm just generally uncomfortable with this movie. Yep. Me too. I mean, it's it still <laughs> deals with magic in a way that still breaks the tradition of literary magic, you know, the the one that makes sense in, in uh, fairy tales and in uh, things like that. Um, even with, with the Mordo being that voice of reason, you know, it's still not perfect and it's still not, um, how magic should be used and has been used by Christian writers through, you know, the centuries. Um, but yeah, it still doesn't, it still doesn't, uh, still doesn't pull it off. Yeah. And I, I would say, I mean, with all of that, Steve, I think we're in, a new tradition and we've been in a new tradition for like a hundred years. Well, of, of magic. some people have been, but I mean, you know, they're like, like the Harry Potter books still use that old tradition. So we, st we have a new tradition that pays no homage to the older tradition, but takes everything, tries to take everything from it. And we still have that old tradition being represented. So it's sort of like there's a split tradition and it really needs to be, you know, split up. It really needs to be addressed that way. I, I do think for the world that they've created here, they are following. I, I think they're following the rules of the world they've created. Um, mm -hmm. It's just. 
anytime you're creating any kind of fantasy out of whole cloth, which is what's happening here. I mean, this is new for the MCU. This is not the this is what the thirteenth movie. I think something it's something like that. Fourteenth, yeah. uh, I think. Fourteenth Marvel movie in the this one cinematic universe, and this is still new stuff that they're creating here because they haven't gone there yet. Uh, mm-hmm. They've they've talked about magic. They've, we've had the Tesseract, but it's always been humans trying to get items of power and then using that and harnessing it in technology, more or less, mm-hmm. uh, or gods with items of power and calling it technology that we don't understand yet. So we'll call it magic, but it's tech, right? You just so can't Evan use the tech. It- Right. So Evan, what about the movie do you think is is good or beneficial? Is there anything that you you would say, "Hey, well, well all those all those things that you guys already said about the theming and the sacrificing of the life and everything, it's all that's all great and I think that's if you dwell on that stuff it's beneficial. Um I think if you are a person who is going into uh, study film or visual effects or special effects, and you might have some problems with magical stuff in movies. Uh, just I'd say just suck it up and go see it at least once because this is next level stuff. That and I'd go see it in the theaters. And I was telling Ben, probably I would have gone and seen it in IMAX would have been awesome. We saw it in um, 3D. We did, and, and that, that's worth it. I think that was the right choice for this one. Yep. Um, so as far as an artistic and the sheer technical achievement, I'd say that's a huge positive for this one and worth seeing for that reason. Um, and yeah, and, and those those spiritual applications you guys pulled out of it, it's it's awesome. For me, I think it still is just I, the source material it's based on. You know, if you if you are watching this movie and you're like, Hey, you know, I kind of like Dr. Strange. I think I'll go check out his other stuff. I would, I just, yuck, don't do it. Um, and you guys can argue that there are good ones, uh, stories in the comic. Sure. But for me, it all just gives me the heebie jeebies. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I've seen his, he used to be one of my favorite characters. Um, just because I thought he was, it was cool. He had a cool job. The visuals were cool with his magic circles and all that. That's another thing that makes me uncomfortable is the magic circles vi- imagery. I know that in the movie they don't use any sort of realistic markings uh, that would be used in actual occult stuff, but it's still the reference is there, and it just kind of weirds me out. Um, yeah, because so the whole time I'm gonna, I was debating on whether or not to go see this movie at all, and you know, there's logical reasons for going to see it. Like I knew they would MCU the magic somehow. It's not going to be actual occult magic. And like the with the magic circles, even though it makes me uncomfortable, I know that it's it's taking that and just and making it a fictional sciencey sort of thing. Um, but then I still have this uh, check in my spirit going to going to see it. So I don't know. I think I'm just I need to own up to the fact that I'm not a type of person who should go see these movies, <laughs> even <laughs> even if it's to review it. Um, my wife and I, she had, she's never seen a Harry Potter, so she wanted to see one. So we popped in the first one. Um, and that's just making me all kinds of uncomfortable, even though that's the most benign one out of all eight movies. <laughs> um, she thought it was good, but for me, it's just, it, 
it just weirds me out. And so I don't know. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I feel like I'm kind of sort of being a hypocrite by going to see a movie like this and then saying the things I do. So I think I'm just going to stop. Well, you know what? You could not go to see the movies and still speak out against them without seeing them. And I think that would be more hypocritical. So, uh, you know, what? of um, if, if you were to speak like, out against them without actually knowing what's in there. Yeah. Right. Yes. So as, as much as it might okay. be painful and, you know, every once in a while you might hit on something that, Hey, you know what? This really sort of, you know, spoke to it a different way or brought something else up that I never realized or whatever. And it could, you could get those movies in there. Um, but if it's a type of thing where it bothers your spirit, then, then don't go, <laughs> you know, it's not like you have to go see these movies. Um, and you know, I, I, I feel for you. There's, there's sometimes things where I'm like, you know what? I, I just can't do that. And the other person might be like, well, okay, but you know what? I, I can't, I just can't. And, and, if I'm a hypocrite by speaking out against it because of what I perceive about that thing, then you know what? I might be a hypocrite. But if I have that conscience bothering me, you know, we're not supposed to, to, to go against our conscience. You know, that's what's, what it's there for to, to poke us when it says, Hey, don't do that. And it might just be for us. You know, it might just be for, for me that I have mm-hmm. a problem with X, Y, or Z. You might have a problem with, you know, P, Q, and R, and Ben might have a problem with C, D, and E. It doesn't matter. Oh, I don't it's... have a problem with the E at all, but <laughs> C and D, yeah, I a, yeah. I have a little problem with E, but um, you know, it's it's the type of thing where if it, if that's where where the Holy Spirit is pricking our conscience, then we need to be sensitive to that and say, you know what, it doesn't matter what it is, I have to stop doing that. Yep. So, so I think that I think that's me and magic yep. movies. Yeah. So there, there may like like so, at least at least at least if it's where the center of the movie is. Like I'll probably still see Avengers, even though it might have Thor or or Doctor Strange in it, because right. they're they're not the main character. You know, I'm, otherwise I'm not gonna be able to watch any movie ever. I'm because <laughs> well, I'm curious. I mean, I don't see a lot of difference between the Force of Star Wars, right, and the magic that we saw in this movie. Yeah. And so that's, that's I'm I'm curious like where the line gets drawn there. Maybe this is another magic episode we need to do later on. But I'm game <laughs> magic and the force. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the force was a big reason why people were like, don't watch Star Wars. You know, yeah. Christian yeah. pastors were saying, oh, this is a this is an evil thing because this is kind of that new age philosophy, that new age. You know, and yep. Taoism. Well, and, and being able to duality. Yeah, but being able to manipulate your environment and, and that kind of thing with the power right. of the mind, and and then you add into the the duality of of the the Taoism and um, the yin, the yang, the light side, the dark side. Right. Um, because and that is that is one thing that the, there's there's the metaphor, the force metaphor kind of falls apart when you have the dark side of the force, the light side of the force, it's the same power, you know, but it's def it's not just, Oh, it's how you use it. Right. Right. Know, there's, but there's... is that, is that any, is that any better than the atheistic viewpoint of star Trek? You know? It's so true, it's like, it's well, 
you know, I mean, if if you are really a Christian, and I'm just being facetious here, if you're really a Christian, then you really can't get into too much science fiction because a lot of it is based on atheistic concepts. And you really can't dig into fantasy because a lot of it is based on paganism, you know, pagan concepts, things like that. Welcome to my life. (laughs) And and so then... the, the thing is to be discerning. Yes. And yeah. Which discerning is what I'm attempting two, to be with all this stuff. Yeah, discerning in, yeah. in two levels. One, discerning in what you can handle. And two, discerning on what is being put in. In fact, I mean, this is part of the conversation that Evan and I had yesterday when he, he wasn't sure if he was going to go. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I told him, you know, I can't make this decision for you. But the good thing is, um, unlike, say, a pornographic film where you go and the visuals are, are – what is problematic about that or a big part of it. Um, this is thematic. And so you can go in with right. a, with a discerning heart and, and go in with, um, you know, a ready heart to, to sort the wheat from the chaff and, mm-hmm. and be aware of what is the chaff, you know? And yeah. So I think, I think there is value, uh, Evan, for you to sometimes go get, get over and get past the heebie jeebies to, yes to be able to point out the things that are, are a problem for you. And yeah. And see, that's where I, I try a lot to figure out, okay, is it the Holy spirit? Is it OCD? Cause I am OCD. <laughs> I really, I do think I have the actual condition and I'm, I'm looking for some, some people to talk to about that. Uh, and then, or is it uh, superstition? Right. Which I, I think also plays into the, the magic stuff. So I would try to weigh all that and, and sometimes, sometimes you do have to ignore your feelings and go with the truth of what God says, um, even if you're you don't feel a certain way or you feel bad about something. If it goes, if there's a biblical truth to back up, uh, you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, like, like oh, the illustration I always go back to is okay if you're if you're raised up in a in a Mennonite home. And you're a woman, and and you feel like your your conscience and everything goes against you wearing jeans, and you have to wear dresses. You know, right? You, right. There's there's something there that you can work through that, and it's not nece- your feelings aren't necessarily correct in that instance because it's a gray area. So that's yeah. that's all I'm trying to say with this stuff. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it for me. I try to work through it. <clears throat> there are a couple other themes I would like to talk about. Um, and, and one of them is just the idea of of life and death that, Mm -hmm. that they bring up with that conversation with, with Dr. Strange and the, the ancient one, and just about how so much of her life has been spent being scared of the moment when she's going to die, Mm. you know? And, and then there's this idea of how our lives are just minuscule moments in eternity you know, we're insects kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting because that's something, you know, Dr. Strange actually said, uh, at least I think he said it, but then, yeah, he said it, he said it. And then the bad guy says it too. The the yeah. bad guy with the name that I can't pronounce, or whatever his name is. But, um, I mean, he, he voices that exact same thing and like verbatim. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, and so that, that was 
an interesting thing to bring up. And basically it's the ancient ones like, I, I'm going to have to go, <laughs> you know, I, I have to die and toodaloo. Yeah. Uh, but th- that was a cool scene too, because it is just, kinda, here's this moment in time. And when you think in context of eternity, we are just moments in time. Right. Uh, and then you think, well, it's not about you. That's the other thing that comes out of that was, it's not about you, but at the same time, we all matter, you know, and you can't live a materialistic life and have that worldview and not believe. I mean, you can't believe that uh, and believe that we matter. You you know, if, if matter is all that matters, you don't matter. Right. Right. Um, You are just, you're just uh, JMS, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, kept bringing up in Babylon five, the idea that we are star stuff. You know, <laughs> we are, we are special because we are made of the stuff of stars. stars. No, that doesn't make us special at all <laughs> because everything's made out of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> the entire universe yeah. is made up we're of that up, stuff. We're made up of the same thing as everything in the entire universe. That makes Literally. you so special. So that makes you special. And I think uh, Homer Homer Simpson said it summed it up best when he said, "What is mind? No matter. What is matter? <laughs> Never mind." Yeah, nice. and so this is a this is a movie that it does. I mean, it brings up the doors of perception, and um, the only thing I know about that is the quote that the doors the band got right. their name from the is there's there's the known and the unknown, and then there's the doors of perception, and. Um, you know, Tilda Swinton is telling him, you know, you are looking through a keyhole. You're spending your entire life trying to look beyond the keyhole. And now I'm showing you that the keyhole can be made bigger and you can see more and you don't believe what you're seeing, you know, and it's just there. That's another idea that comes out of this, that just there's more to life than this. There's and more doors really were a theme. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it was thematic to feature them, but also it was a theme, the doors of reception, the keyhole and all these different things where it's opening things open it, up. Step through. Yeah. Open step so, through. Yeah. And I mean, even their little magic things, they jump through. Sling ring. And I hated the title. Of that. that was, that was the sling like, ring. Oh, come on. It's, it's to- well, is that a comic book thing? I don't think I don't. so. Because I, I felt like that was a that was a cheap device. I have never, never heard. ever heard that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, okay, we've got magic. We can go into any world we want to. Oh, except unless you have this ring, you can't. You can't yeah, get back. Right? No, you can't even go. Well, yeah. You can't even you, open the little swirly portal thing unless you enchant these special doors in the stinking sanctums, and then you can do it. But that's you know, that's, that's, that's the it whole thing. Sick. Is is they use objects to channel power. And so there's certain things that you need the object to channel the power. Um, Cause one thing I did really appreciate was like at the, that battle in New York uh, where Dr. Strange is flying because he has the cloak of levitation and Mordo is uh, he had the boots of something or other Volstaff, which I, I couldn't tell if he said Volstaff, but I think he did. And that's one of the, that's a, that's a, um, Norwegian guy. Yeah, that's one of the the Warriors Three. Yeah, that's a Volstag. Volstag. Oh, is it? So Volstaff, Volstaff is something different. 
I think I I didn't it, hear him clearly, so I don't know what he was saying. He might have said Volstag. You know, well, just... he, he, it was the boots of Vol. I thought staff. So I'm gonna look it up too. But... They did say the the wand of Watum, which I know is a Marvel thingy. I only know that from uh, JLA versus Avengers because it's one of the items the JLA had to go collect for the Marvel Universe. But part of this MCU magic is you use these items to channel specific power. And so when they're running through New York, Strange is flying and the other uh, Mordor is um, Mordor. Mordor. (laughs) I I can't say his name either, I guess. Um, He's using the boots and he's actually like climbing steps in space, you know, jumping from spot to spot. Right. And it was cool to watch them fly, quote unquote, in their own way. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I liked that. And I like that a lot. I, this is one that I do expect I'll be seeing again. Um, I, I don't know when or in where, the theater? but in the, in the theater, I think I'll probably see it at least one more time in the theater. Unless my wife wants to see it. What about the theme of uh, texting and driving? Yes. Oh, man. That was the last thing on the credits. It was. There's a warning about that. Yeah. yeah. I like that. It was nice to see that portrayed in like a real world thing. Because Mm -hmm. before all the magic things start happening, what happens? He's texting and driving and bam. And it's not just he was going fast in his car. He was. He was. He was driving he very was unsafe. Distracted driving. And that's what that's what happens. So, you know, you can take your kids to this. And at the very least, you can say, see, kids, if you are a distracted driver, you might get magic power. No, no, that's not what to say. <laughs> say something else. Say something different. Did you see his hands in the crash? Oh, yeah. They, he just drives his hands into the dashboard. Yeah, it was painful looking. Yeah. How about that makeup on his hands throughout the movie? Yeah. Yeah. It looked where great. you you can see the scars and that looked really realistic. I was like, how did they do that? Did they have, <laughs> did they have to do that? Every, yeah. I, I, my guess is they had some sort of gloves that they make up a fi onto his hands. I don't know. To, to get it to look the same in every shot. Crazy. Well, I mean, that's you do the same thing with makeup on for scars on faces and stuff like that, which is even more visible. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wonder if he kept it on, like if if there's hey, let's see if you can just leave this on like all day and then sleep in it, <laughs> so that when you come in tomorrow, we don't have to do this again. Oh, I watched a documentary about the new Star Trek movie. They had to make those if anytime an alien had a alien head, right? From Starfleet, they would make the prosthetic mask, paint it, make it onto the person, and at the end of the day, they just tear it to pieces mm-hmm. to get it off the person. Crazy. They have to do it all again the next day. That's not, why don't just wear it? Just you know, five, six weeks, months. <laughs> just, just wear it. Well, and there's certain cool, actors man. who they have to go in for three hours before everyone else to yeah. get yeah. you know the. The Klingon headgear or whatever. The... Jim Jim Carrey had to get uh, training from the CIA had a re- in like torture resistant techniques to go through the process of putting on the Grinch makeup 
<laughs> because it was just like it would cause you to go mad. Yeah, we're all so glad that he did that for us. Yeah, then I love that movie. It's horrible. It is a terrible, terrible movie. You people. Even if it wasn't the Grinch, it's not a good movie. Like if it's just no, its own thing. Lies. Lies, lies. What's the thing about that? He's he's farting in the, the guy's face and his sleep and everything. It's just like that was not in that movie. I beg to differ. <laughs> yeah, I think you might have just that glow of youth when you saw. That I watch movie. it every year, literally every year. I watch it. Well, no one's perfect, Evan. <laughs> no one's perfect. But you know what's going to go into my rotation every year. The Polar Express, man. No, no. This is not a Christmas movie that's going to my rotation. I am adding a second Halloween movie to my rotation. Right now, it's uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Pretty much every October, right around Halloween, if not on Halloween. I'm going to be adding the Doctor Strange 1978 TV movie. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Steve, have wow. you ever seen it? Have you ever seen this movie? I may have. Like I said, Doctor Strange really is it not... Is... A- on my radar very much so, it is so I, i'd be 70s. surprised if i seen it it is so so 70s the music is amazing the special effects uh <laughs> the way i described it to evan was uh they saw rosemary's baby superman star wars <laughs> and they said you know what we can make a movie out of that with with dr strange is it online anywhere no not not anywhere that's legal anyway <laughs> um, I, I just bought the DVD from Amazon as soon as I saw that it was available. Wow. And part of that was just, well, I need to see it. We're going to, we'll talk about it for welcome to level seven. And then I watched it and I'm like, this is happening. <laughs> now you want to talk about magic and stuff. I mean, this is seventies, um, seventies cult imagery and stuff like that going on where, you know, the TV, Rosemary's baby. I mean, it doesn't go to that. It doesn't go to the sickening details of, of the Rosemary's baby kind of thing, but the, just the way the seventies was kind of taken in by, by Stephen King and by poltergeist and, and those kind of things. So, wow. Yeah. CBS <laughs> turned it down, did not want a series. <laughs> I, I just wonder what would have happened if they had, so, that would have been fun. <laughs> it would not have been. Well, yeah. I mean, this would have been on the, the same station then that was that was doing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. Wow. And yeah, just didn't happen. So imagine a crossover potential. That'd be well, I that's what I say. Something else. Think about it to have Doctor Strange get to, you know, split David or. Yeah, David Banner from the Hulk and have an an adventure where they actually are working side by side. David's brains, Hulk's brawn, Doctor Strange is in there. Yeah. Get Reb Brown to come in, be the be Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Funniest thing about him right now is he was a cop, one of the extra cops on Chips. And he shows up in a number of episodes and my kids have seen the Captain America movies. And so when mm-hmm. we watch chips, we're like, Hey, wait, Oh, there's Captain America. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But as you said in the episode that has not been released yet, Evan, my kids live in the 70s. They do. Nice. So. My kids will live in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, With some dark winged duck. <laughs> Poor kids. Hey, guys, we've we've gone on. We've talked about things. We've talked about other things that aren't the things we meant to talk about. But I think it's time for our last words. All right. What do you say, Evan? Final word. I'm going to say pray about it. Make your own decisions. You can see this movie. Um, it's it's worth seeing, I think, if you're interested in the visual effects because it is next level stuff. They've outdone themselves. They really have. Steve? Well, I just got to say I just bought a thesaurus at the store and brought it home and found out that all the pages are blank. I have no words to describe how angry I am. That's that's great. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going to say that this movie is definitely the most um, Christian-themed of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, except for possibly the first Captain America. Mm-hmm. But that said, it's also the one that goes in the most gray areas than, than uh, most. So, yeah. um, and other than that, I'm going to say thank you for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>